Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. I'm excited about next weekend. We are going to have a blast all weekend long. Uh, they mentioned earlier to me that I want, they need some more Candy Hunt volunteers. I see some out here. Some of you look like you love candy. You love hunting. Come on. Uh, you can sign up online at hopechurch.net or call the office or some, one, of those, one of those things. But um, uh, we'd love to have you help us with that. But man, Good Friday. It's going to be beautiful. Um, services Saturday night, Sunday morning. I want to encourage you to bring a friend or two or ten. Um, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's going to be so good. Man, last Sunday was so special, wasn't it? Man, it was so special. We were, we were marked by God. Like, I don't know if you felt that, but my heart was marked by him. I felt like there was, there was such an a impartation of the heart of God that was released in our time together. Marcus and Mariana, man, uh, they are beautiful, aren't they? You know, it's amazing to me to, I was able to spend some time with them. And as we spent time, it's like you watch these people that have given up everything yet they have everything. And there they are um, with the poorest of the poor in just these situations every day, and yet they are probably the most joy-filled people I have ever met in my life. And it's so beautiful. We're not going to be the same. How many say, I don't want to be the same? You know, that's the life of following Jesus. We are not, we are not, it's not designed to stay the same. It's designed that we continually grow and we continually become. And so I believe last weekend was part of that. Um, the last couple of times that I have shared, uh, we've been talking about being people of light. And um, it's about the call of Jesus that he's given us to be light. And uh, we've been talking about how Jesus said the call to us, you're the light of the world. You, the church, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden, but we're called to shine. And that as we follow him, as we walk with him, as we are in him, that light then shines through us, right? How many have been here a couple times we've talked about that? Okay, like three of you, awesome. <laughs> but here's what, what we've said, and I think it's important, this, this call of Jesus, this mandate uh, to shine is only fully expressed when we have understanding of who we are, of our identity in him. That if we don't have a revelation of who he is and what he's accomplished, we won't have revelation of who we are because of it. Can I hear an amen or two? Yeah, okay. And what happens is if we don't know who we are, we miss out on being the full expression of what he paid for us to be. And um, I think sometimes when we talk about following Jesus, people think it's about just trying to be good and making it to heaven. And if that's the case, we miss it entirely, church. <laughs> There's so much focus been on just saying a prayer to get into heaven when God actually wants to get into us and be fully expressed through us every single day of our breathing lives. And that, that's what this is about. It's, it's about him. It's about him living in me and him living through me in an entirely new way of life. And we call that resurrection life. This coming Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection, but the truth is we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every single day of our lives. It's a completely different identity. It's a completely different way of living, of being, that is, is, is so counterculture from the ways and means of the world and the spirit of the age, right? 
that, that, that his life in me literally, because he is in me, it lights up every space that I walk into because he's so alive in me. And his love is so real to me. And it's a love that surpasses knowledge. I think we saw that with, with, with Marcus last week. It's like, this goes way beyond religion, right? This goes way beyond knowledge. This goes way beyond just a mental ascent to things that we know into this place of encounter with him. That I want to know him and I want to please him because of it. I'm not talking about the feeling of being alive. I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm talking about the knowing, right? The knowing that goes way beyond human knowledge. It's the reality of Christ in me, the hope of glory, here and now. That old things have passed away, the new things have come. You know, I think sometimes our biggest challenge is that we believe if we aren't feeling it or we aren't feeling good, then we aren't doing good. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, I'm not like feeling it today. I'm not feeling Jesus today. I'm not feeling this or I'm not feeling that. You know, you, you say, oh man, they look like they're feeling it, right? That person on the stage, man, they look like they're really feeling Jesus and I'm down here, I'm not feeling it. No, the truth is, is that if we aren't believing good, we aren't doing good. It's not about how we feel. It's about actually what we believe that defines if we're doing good. Because we need the truth of who he is and who we are so deep in us that we are unshakable and unmovable regardless of what we feel. Have you ever had your feelings lie to you? I certainly have. Man, I want to be so rooted in who he is and who he says I am that regardless of what I feel like when I wake up in the morning, I know who I am and you know who you are. Rooted in him. See, the gospel is des designed to transform your life. We don't read the Bible for head knowledge. We read the Bible so we can know Jesus. When I'm reading the Bible, and I encourage you this, when you're reading the word, don't just read it just to store information. Read it as an encounter with Jesus so we can know who we are. Guys, we can't know actually who we are without this. Do you know that? Like that, why is there so much confusion everywhere in the world? Because we don't know who we are. Because we don't know who we are created to be. Because we have wandered off in our feelings. I feel this, I feel that, or whatever. But the truth is, is that if we're not rooted in what he says we are and who he says we are, we're going to feel a thousand things and get led astray into deception. But when we come back to what he says we are and who we are, that is where the life is. That is where the joy is. And what I see as I look out over our church today, I see men and women, boys and girls, old and young alike, who are actually on a journey to discover who we really are and walk out of that place. That we're going to be a people that are not moved by culture or moved by what is happening in or outside the church, but we are moved by who he says we are. Man, that's what I want to be. That's who I see us becoming, immovable in him. Because when we do that, church, we find out, you know, everybody says, what's your why? When we actually are rooted in who we really are, we find out our why. We find out our why. Why am I here? And he changes then the why behind why I'm alive. And it's not about me anymore. It's about him in me. It's about him living through 
me. Instead of me, 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 it's him, him, him. I'm happy. I'm joyful. I'm not joyful because my circumstances. I didn't sleep well last night. If I was going to be moved by my circumstances, I would not be smiling. Do you know what I mean? But I can stand here today after three nights of very little sleep and say, I've got the joy of Jesus in me because I didn't wake up for me today. I literally didn't wake up for me. I woke up for him today. And I'm alive on the inside because of that. I'm not, I'm not alive and happy because of circumstances. I'm alive because of who he said I was, and I want to live in that today. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we talk, I don't know, I'm feeling kind of funny today. <clears throat> I'm going to blame it on the lack of sleep. My wife is home with one of our kids is sick, so she's watching me online. She's probably like, what is he doing? I'm, I love you, babe. Um, <laughs> so we talked about this last time. Two weeks ago, we were together, and I've been just really chewing on it all week. Colossians 3, um, 1 to 3, I just read it again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And here it is. For you have died. Turn to somebody and say, for you have died. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Guys, this is the good news today. This is, this is who we are. For you have died and your life is hidden with Jesus in God, and you have, we just read it, been raised up with him. Ephesians says you've been actually seated in heavenly places with him. Did you know that as you sit here, you actually, if you're a believer, you're actually seated in another place as well? You really are? Because your life is hidden with him? You're seated with Jesus, who is actually currently ruling and reigning the world? That you're seated with him. And as I give my attention to this, as I give my attention and my affections to where I'm really seated and who I really am, I give my awareness to that, my yes to him. As I set my mind on the things that are above, I am now defined by what God says and who Jesus is. And therefore, I don't have to live according to my feelings or my circumstances. I wasn't really going to emphasize this before, but I feel this today. We're going to get set free from being defined by our circumstances and our feelings today. Because if you're defined by those things, your life is going to be a roller coaster, and he has not made us to be on a roller coaster. He's made us to live the most stable lives that ever were on the planet because we're rooted and grounded in him. So my life then becomes an expression not of me, but of him in me. And it radically opposes the ways and the means of the world in every form that actually often slip into the church. And it seems like, you know, we don't talk about this enough. This is what I want to focus in on today. Maybe, maybe I should say I haven't talked about it enough. But in order to live the resurrected life, the new life, 
the fully alive life, you actually have to die to your old life so you can live. And I feel like we don't talk about that enough, really. And I'm the pastor of this church, so I need to talk about it some more. You're going to die. <laughs> you got to die. I feel like I need to snort or something. <laughs> Here's the truth, though, that if we don't, if we don't preach this, we don't talk about this, then we end up with churches full of people that are caught between two worlds. Do you know what I'm saying? We're like people that then are living in confusion, living in defeat, living in disillusionment, one foot in, one foot out, because we want to compartmentalize Jesus. Right? Like, and the truth is he can't and he won't be compartmentalized. We don't get to say he has this part of me, but not that part of me. He has this part of my life, but I'm not, I can't give up that part of my life. Right? Like, like, I'll follow him here, but I cannot follow him over there. Like, that isn't how this works. And what happens is then we get discouraged when we live in both places. And this is what happens, and I see this, that, 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 that I'm, I'm living in both places, and, and we get discouraged, and the life that I hear that I'm supposed to have seems like the life I've always had, because I never really died. And because I never really died, and never really fully lived. Did you catch that? Like, this is the thing, like, we walk around in discouragement and we walk around in disappointment and offense and all the things because we never really died to us. We've still been living for us and our lives don't seem that transformed. Let's go to the Bible. Matthew 16. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to do a lot of talking about the Bible. You can jot down the scriptures. Go back and meditate on them. Make sure I'm right. You should make sure what I'm saying is right. You should go home. Check it out. Matthew 16, Jesus, he began telling his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer at the hands of, of the religious leaders, that he'd be killed He's telling his, his 12 this, that he'd be killed. And then he told him on the third day that, that he would rise from the dead. And what he's doing is he's, he's letting them know the Father's plan for him. And many of you will remember this. After he tells him this, Peter takes Jesus aside. And uh, he rebukes Jesus for what he just said. He basically says, Jesus, no, 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 no. That can't be right. Jesus, that's not how this works. This, this, this is not going to happen to you. This isn't how this goes down. And Jesus does something really radical in that moment to Peter. He turns to Peter and it says in verse 23, it says, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And it's this moment, you guys, of rebuke. Why? Because church, the ways of God are not the ways of man. And there's this radical moment of Jesus saying, no, 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 no. That's man. And Jesus knows 
that if you set your mind on the things of man, you're going to get the ways of man. But if you set your mind on the things of God, you're going to get the ways of God. And the way he's saying here to life is actually death. And Peter doesn't like it. So moments before this, what's wild, moments, just moments before this, Peter's had actually a revelation of who Jesus is. He had a revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. He actually had that moment where God revealed to him that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Savior of the world. It's amazing how we can get something so right and so quickly get something wrong. Have you ever experienced that in your life? You're like, man, I got this revelation. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And then all of a sudden, the next minute you're like, whoa, I really got that wrong. That's what's happening here with Peter. Peter's plan was not to die. Peter's plan from the revelation that he'd received would probably be to march on Jerusalem, pick up a bunch of supporters on the way, confront the rulers and authorities with swords, fight a battle, take over the temple, and make Jesus king. That's how the kingdom's going to come. That's how he imagined it to be. How many know that sometimes when you hear things from God, something from God, and you add to it, you get off? I say this a lot to people, but sometimes you hear a word from the Lord, and it's so pure and it's so right, you have a revelation of what he's doing, but then if we add to it, we can get in real trouble. This is how he thinks the kingdom's going to come. So he rebukes Jesus. But church, the ways of God are not the ways of man. And the way his kingdom's going to come is actually the exact opposite of what they'd thought. And so the radical rebuke comes. Church, there's moments for radical rebukes. How many have ever been rebuked by the Lord? I want you to know it's good if he rebukes you because he disciplines his sons. He disciplines the ones he loves. Moments when we have to say, this is not the way of God. This idea, that idea that comes where we recognize, hey, that's coming from self. That's coming from flesh. That's coming from the mind of man, not the ways of God. See, Jesus, he would confront the rulers. He would confront the authorities in Jerusalem. And he would be seated as king. But it's going to be in a completely different way. It's going to be through a completely different power being exercised. It's not going to be coming through self-preservation or domination. It's going to, become, it's going to come through the laying down of his life on a cross, Right? And this is what he tells the disciples the next verse, verse 24. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is saying, I'm going to deny myself I'm going to lay down my life. And if you want to come after me, so will you. In other words, I'm not living for me. I'm living for the will of my Father. 
And I'm inviting you into the same thing. Isn't it wild how many rights we think we have when we've been called to a life of denying ourselves? I heard somebody say this once. They said, what if our only right is to be like him? It was so powerful. It rocked my world. It just goes right to the heart. What if my only right is to be like him? What if in this moment, in the world that we're in, in this, this Western mindset that we're in, what if our only right is to be like Jesus? What if we actually have to lay everything else down to follow him? Pierces to the heart of everything. Today's Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday, by the way. It's the first day of what many would call um, Holy Week, Passion Week, the different things people say. It's the day that Jesus enters Jerusalem that begins this week of his betrayal, his denial, his death. We remember that on Friday and his resurrection that we celebrate on Sunday. And we're going to be in John 12, really, for the rest of our time today. And in John 12, there's a large crowd that's gathered because they've heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And uh, they, they'd heard about what had happened to Lazarus, that he'd been raised from the dead, so they were They were coming to Jerusalem to see Jesus, but they were also coming to see this man that had been raised from the dead. It would have been the first Palm Sunday. And in verse 13, it says that they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So Jesus, he, he's riding in this triumphal entry, they call it. He's riding into Jerusalem on a young donkey, which actually fulfilled prophecy from hundreds of years before in Zechariah that they said that their king would actually come this way. And I was, I was studying this, and the word Hosanna actually is a Greek word that comes from two Hebrew words that, that means, please save us. So they're crying out, please save us. Actually, it's actually a little more severe than that. It's like, we're begging you to save us. So they're waving the palm branches as Jesus has come in. A crowd, a crowd of people that are there to see because they've heard of what he's done. They've heard of the healing of Lazarus. And they're there in that, in that, in that processional, that entry with these palm branches saying, we're begging you to save us. The crowd's crowd's going wild in song. From the time of the Maccabees, palms had been used as a national symbol. They were looking at Jesus as a potential national leader. They didn't know he was actually the king of the world. Their dreams of a Messiah were that, that he would lead them to a national liberation from Rome. They would confront Rome. That was their dream, but that wasn't God's dream. He wasn't the king that they'd expected. 
He wasn't going to save them the way that they'd imagined. He wasn't riding in on some war horse to lead them into a battle against the government they had, that had been oppressing them, that had been persecuting them, that had been doing terrible things to them. Here's Jesus, not in a king's chariot. He's not singing. He's riding a donkey, which was a symbol of peace, which was a symbol of humility. And guess what? There's tears coming down his face. As he knows that in five days, that crowd that's worshiping him now is going to turn on him. Here's the thing. If you follow Jesus, if you gather around Jesus for what he can do for you, you're going to be disappointed. If you follow Jesus for what he can do for your agenda, or what you think his agenda should be on the earth, you're going to be disappointed. That's why Christian, consumer Christianity is so dangerous. Leads to disappointment and disillusionment. Luke's account says that as he was looking at the city, it says he wept. He wept over it. Verse 42 there in that account, it says, he says, how I wish that you had, had of all people, Jerusalem, I wish you would have understood the way to peace. I wish you would have understood, but the peace is hidden from your eyes. That's what he said. They couldn't see that the Prince of Peace was actually right in front of them because it wasn't what they'd imagined or hoped for. Are you following this? So here's Jesus He's knowing what's coming. He's knowing the pain that he's going to endure. And he's full of humility and with tears flowing down his face because the people that he came to save were missing the time of their visitation. That's what it says. He's crying because they're missing. Oh, that you'd known the time of your visitation. Man, church, I feel this for us. I feel his heart in this. This is his heart. This is his way. What would happen if we shed tears for those who have not yet understood the way to peace? What would happen if we, we shed tears for the world that rejects him? Before we curse darkness or threw stones, what if before any, anything we did, we actually shed tears for the sons and daughters and the prodigals who are far off from the Lord? God, give us your heart for the world. Verse 23, he says to the disciples, he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Did you get that? I want to read that again. Un unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We could say unless someone goes into the ground and dies, they're actually living for themselves. 
But if they go into the ground and are planted and they die, they will bear much fruit. He's talking about what's going to happen. And that his death is going to look like a seed being sowed into the ground. And it's going to look like tragedy. And it's going to look like defeat. And it's going to look like death. But just you wait. It's going to be victory. Right? It's going to be triumph of God's love that looks death straight in the eyes and defeats it by meeting it head on. And the fruit will be that he's going to bring life to the entire world. Fruit's going to spring up all over the world, all over the earth because of this moment. Church, I want to tell you, real glory won't look like what man thinks it's going to look like. (laughs) Glorified to Jesus looks like the cross. Glorified to Jesus looks like the cross. It looks like willingly laying down your life. He says, the hour has come for me to be glorified. You know, sometimes we think about it like, my time has come. I'm finally going to get a microphone. My time has come. I'm I'm finally going to get that position. You know? Like, I'm going to be in lights. I hate these lights. It's so bright. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not glory. Glory is the cross. Glory is the cross. It's going to look like willingly laying down your life. That's what love is going to look like. There is no greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friends. That the world would see this as disgraceful and humiliation, but Jesus sees it as glory. Death, death will look like love And death will look like liberation and freedom like they've never seen before. And what Jesus' church is showing us is what it actually looks like to shine. And he's also talking to the disciples about them. And he's talking to us about us. And what he's saying is this. Get this, you guys. This is really the heart of everything, I think, today in this message. Is that unless a seed dies, unless you die... You abide alone. Unless you die, you're living for yourself. You're living for you. And it will always be about you. And if it's always about you, you're going to constantly be offended. And if it's always about you, you're going to always be looking at yourself and worried about what people say and what people think. And if it's always about you, you're going to be bothered by everyone and everything everywhere all the time. But you were never meant to live for yourself. I wasn't meant to live for myself. I mean, you get married and you get another layer of this. You have children that are so awesome. <laughs> they are. I don't want them to, you know, you're like, Lord, get me through the season. And then you have a daughter turning 18 and you're like, don't go. Don't go. Please don't go. Please stay with me forever. That's how I feel. You know what I mean? I don't even know what I was talking about now. 
It was so much revelation. We were never meant to live for ourselves. Why are we so unhappy most of the time? Because we're living for us. Because if you're living for you, it's just like disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Frustration after frustration. Oh, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. I realized early on in my marriage when I was get frustrated with Christy about some things, I'm like, wanting her to change, I'm like, I can't change her, only Jesus can. I can only die to me so I can live and be who he made me to be. This is what he's talking about. When we get this, actually it changes everything, you guys. It changes everything. That somewhere between dying, get this, and coming up out of the ground, springing up out of the ground. I love spring. We're in spring, so we can think about this. Springing up. Something happens in that that actually changes our motives. See, when I see people striving and fighting and just trying to be holy and trying to do this right and trying to do that right, I'm like, you missed it. you got to go back and die. Because when you die, you spring up into something new And all of a sudden, your motives are changing and your want to is changing and your love and your desires are changing and all of a sudden, you want to want him. All of a sudden, you want to want what he wants for you because you're not alive for you. (laughs) And you die to what you've been. See, I think sometimes we are trying to live in what we were and we're fighting what we were instead of dying and actually becoming the new creation that we were made to become. And so life is filled with all kinds of frustrations. Oh, I feel horrible about how I handled that. I feel terrible that I did that. And I feel, and God's like, no, 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 no. The seed has to go into the ground and die. Then you come up and you're new and you walk into that new identity. So when you spring up, you actually become everything that he is, bearing much fruit, and it's expressed through your life. His love, it demonstrated on the cross what was possible for us to be, and that is totally new. Totally new. Totally new. Totally new. Not a life of fighting old. A life of becoming new. If you're fighting things that you were fighting 30 years ago, there's an identity shift that needs to happen. Sometimes I think we have confusion in the body of Christ because I think that so many of us don't actually believe that we actually have to die to what we've been, to what we were, so we can live in who he is. Not just in eternity. See, I think we sometimes take these scriptures and we think about them in terms of like, in terms of like oh yeah, I'm going to live forever with Jesus. Yes, we are. I'm so glad about it. I should preach a sermon about it. But you know what? It's so you can actually live in the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit every single day of your life here and now. And in doing that, you actually were showing the world who he is. 
if I die, the old me doesn't live anymore. It's him living in me. My old self has been crucified with him. And if he shows up, I'm able to say, hit the road. Turn to somebody and say, hit the road. I mean, don't leave the service right now. The problem is, is that when the old self shows up, sometimes we think that that's actually who we are. And then we get trapped in that lie. Everything goes down the toilet. There's only a couple things supposed to go down the toilet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should be quiet. Stick to my notes. I don't even, actually don't know if I can recover from that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Instead of fighting him, you say, oh, no, 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 that's not who I am. Like, oh, yeah, I did that. That's not who I am. He's dead. I died to him. And I actually carry my cross now daily to follow Jesus. And now my, my life is actually defined by who Jesus is, how he lived, who he says I am. That's who I am. So yeah, I, man, I bumped into that. I stumbled into that. I, I ran into that old guy. But man, I'm not that anymore. Guys, we actually need to remind each other of this. If you're a husband and a wife a husband or wife and you're in a marriage and you know your spouse does something that they shouldn't do and it's like something they used to do all the time or they struggle with, I, I'm telling you what, instead of engaging that thing, you should say, hey, that's not who you are. That'd be a new one. Well, you do that. You need to stop that and da-da-da-da. Just, just don't do any of that. Just be like, hey, that's the old you. You killed him. He's buried. He's buried. That's not you. I don't change your marriage. I, that's, you should pay me for that. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I do get paid. Um, <laughs> I should be doing this in the second service, not when we're streaming online. I have this fear of these like sound bites made of me one day. Oh, that pastor, he preaches this and like all this weird stuff. I don't want that. Hey, when church leaders do stupid stuff, don't let your faith get rocked. <laughs> That's just random. I'm serious. That's ridiculous. If your faith is in that, like, if, if I mess up, guys, like, man, then you, I didn't do a good job helping you get rooted in Jesus. I want you to be rooted in Jesus, not rooted in me. Same thing for, for leaders across the world. Don't get carried up. I wouldn't even suggest watching all that junk. Anyways, if you don't know what I'm talking about, good. <clears throat> so back to, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think I preached the longest message ever. And, and so I was like, um, I need to shorten it. So I'm going to try and wrap it up here. Here's the reality. Now, I'm living my life in this earthly body by faith in the Son of God. And by that, it's not the faith that I'm just going to go to heaven someday. It's faith in his finished work in me. 
faith that he loved me, that he gave himself for me, and that Galatians 2.20, now I get to put on who he is. Huh. My faith isn't in me. It's not about me trying harder. My faith is in him and what he's done, and now that's what's mine. Now the life I live in this body is by faith in the Son of God because he loved me. He gave everything so that we could have everything. And guess what, church? There's another part to that. In exchange, he wants everything. Don't let any other belief come in the way. He wants everything. He gave everything to give us everything because he wants everything. And it is our joy and it is our privilege to give it all to him. Amen? That is what abundant life is. That is what really living is. I want to see a people. I want my life to be this. I want our church to be this in this town. Not a, not a people of religion and, and all grouchy, irritated, yucky. You know what I mean? Gritting our teeth. People. I want to be a people that walk with so much joy. Not because we're getting what we want, but we're getting what he wants in us. <laughs> right? Like that's where the joy comes from. It isn't because, you know, I got healed or I got, you know, an extra check or I got, those things are great. God's blessings flow. But I'm telling you, I'm so filled with joy because I died and now I'm really alive and I'm so full of him. Okay. It's Colossians 3. We talked about it, right? We put to death the old passions. We put to death the old ways, the old self. We talked about this sexual immorality, right? Everything that's connected to lust. Everything that's connected to impurity. Guess what? That's not you anymore. If you died. If you didn't die, then that's still you. We put away anger. We put away wrath, right? That's all those things in there. Slander, gossip. Man, you're not a gossiper. You're not a liar anymore. You don't go around talking about people anymore. That's not who you are. You don't walk in unforgiveness of anyone. You're not offended. That's not you anymore. All that old, all those old practices, it's not you anymore because this is what Jesus says. He's talking about that seed goes down and it dies and then it springs up. And he who had no sin, Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now he's making his appeal through us to the world, through us as we shine. Yes! Yes, this is how we shine. <laughs> we put on our new selves. It springs up with fruit all over. Kindness, right? This is what we put on. Humility, it's everything we see in him. Meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another as Jesus forgave you. Now you, what? Forgive. Put on love. See, I don't know that forgiveness is even possible outside of him. 
in him, everything's possible. Real love is Jesus' love. Don't get your definition of love anywhere else. Real love is defined by him, in him, through him. And Jesus shows us through the price that he paid all the way to the cross. He shows us as he's bleeding, as he's rejected, as he's dying, as he's been spit upon, as his body's consumed with pain. And he says, what? Not my will, but yours be done. As a seed goes into the ground and it dies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That alone will transform every part of your life. I'm telling you, we've needed a lot of this over the last couple of years, haven't we? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The revelation of forgiveness is the revelation of love. Jesus, the Bible says, I don't think it was Jesus, I can't remember where it was, oh, no one, anything except to love. Think about that. Can you even imagine what he endured? Can you even imagine the, not just physically, but mentally, the things that he knew that people had said about him? The things that they had talked about behind his back. Not only the religious people of the day, but the crowds of the day, but his own friends. Right? Can you imagine what he endured? Think about this. All the things that they said, and he cries out, Father, forgive him. Can you imagine how offended Jesus could have been? I mean, really, have you ever thought about that? How, how angry he could have been? How irritated and disgusted he could have been? We get upset when somebody pulls in front of us in traffic. Did that come across his life? People that he came to love that completely despised him even his closest friends deny him, betray him. He didn't talk trash about him. He didn't curse him. He didn't gripe about him. You know what he did? He wept for them. He prayed for them all the way to the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When it sure looked like they did know what they were doing, he loved them. In church, he loves us to the end. He said, now you're going to do the same. What's the measure that we use? The measure is Jesus. If the measure is self, it's going to be self. If the measure is Jesus, it's going to be Jesus. Last night, I love when sermon material comes at the table. In my house, it's amazing. Sitting there, it's talking with my girls, one of my girls. She said, you know, I responded wrongly to my sister because my sister responded wrongly to me. I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus zingers coming right now for you. In a good way, because everything he does is love. I said, honey, is your measure what someone did to you? Or is your measure what Jesus did for you? We look to him. We don't look to our circumstances to tell us how we should feel or how we should respond. We're here to, 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 not to live our best life. We're here to live his life through us. 
Don't let anybody tell you, hey, go live your best life. Your best life is him living through you. That's the best life. That's the best life. I'm going to close with this since the music is so beautiful. Thank you, Tyler. Isn't he great? Such a great worship pastor. Amazing. Um, Last weekend, I got to spend some time with Marcus and Mariana. Um, Several times. Just unbelievable. The beauty that they carry. They have just absolutely nothing. And yet it's just Jesus flows out of them. And they told us this story about a woman um, that they've been ministering to that's really come, come to faith and they've led to Jesus. And this woman's son was, young son, was murdered by a young, a young guy. The guy was on drugs and he was out of his mind and he actually murdered her son. And Jesus moved in her so much in a way that she went to the prison where he was. She made this guy a meal. Shows up with the meal for him. And he says, I don't, I don't know you. Like, why are you doing this for me? And she, she says, you, you killed my son. He's like, I'm so sorry. I was, I was on drugs. I didn't even realize what I was doing. And she says to him, she says, I'm adopting you. You're my son. Unless the seed goes into the ground and dies, it will not spring up and bear fruit. What's true for this woman is true for all of us. Some of us have been trying to will so many things for so long to try and make what we know is to be ours happen, but we didn't actually go back to the place of dying so that we could live. Through this, all things are possible in him ask you to stand with me. The next verse he says is, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Hating your life is not disregarding your life, but that we freely and continually offer it up to live like this, you guys. If you are here today and you'd say, man, I want to I live that kind of life. I want to live that Jesus life. I just, could just do this. Just close your eyes just before him. Just asking even now that your word would just settle on us, in us. Settle in us. Yeah. 
unless the seed goes into the soil and dies, only then can it come up and bear much fruit. We put our hands like this, God, because we would just say, we don't want to live for us. We want to live for you. We want to live for you. Maybe you're here today, just everybody eyes closed, and you've never, ever actually died to you. I'd love to... I'd love to see your hand if you're here today and you've never died to you, but today you'd say, I actually want to die to me. Just lift your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How many just might be here today and maybe you'd say that you have died, but you actually have been forgetting who you are. And there's stuff that needs to be killed. And there's stuff that needs to be put off. How many raise your hand and be honest and say, that's me. Yeah. yeah. Hands everywhere. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite our ministry team to come on forward, a few of you, if you would. If you're here today and you responded particularly to that first thing that you've never died Maybe you've actually, even hearing this, you're like, I don't know that I've ever fully given my life to Jesus. I want to invite you to come in a little bit here to just share that with someone in the front. We want to pray with you. But I believe that this is a moment for us, church, to walk into something that's so new. into places that we've actually never been able to walk into before because we actually never fully died. But I'm telling you guys, (laughs) it's Romans 6. We were buried with him by baptism and death. And we were raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so we could walk in newness of life. How many would say, I'm ready for the newness of life? I think it's a perfect time coming out of the last couple of years to walk in a new place, in a new day, in a new thing. Old things are behind. We're walking into the new. Can we give the Lord a shout for that? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I want to pray for you before we go. Just lift your hands all up all over the room. It's just before the Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. I thank you that even right now, old things are breaking off of the church addictions are breaking off. All kinds of old, yucky mindsets are breaking off. And today begins a day of living the resurrected new life of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. (laughs) And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom And there is liberty and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He is alive in you today. And I declare it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may want to come and just find a place to kneel before the Lord. You may need to go. If you would love prayer, please come. We love you so much. God bless you.